Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Amazing Race Rewind podcast, the podcast where we rewind back in time to watch the earliest seasons of The Amazing Race for the first time. My name is Andrew. And I'm Jill. And we're here today to talk about season one, episode eight. Now, Jill, what are your overarching initial thoughts on on this episode? There was a lot of consistency, I would say, as in none of the teams struggled immensely with any task. And therefore, it was just kind of watching the race at a very consistent pace is what it felt like. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, I would agree. Like there wasn't a, a lot of drama in like switching positions. Exactly. And- yeah. Everybody pretty much stayed in the order that they that they departed at the beginning, didn't they? They did. And everything just flowed very consistently. Everything, it seems like the instructions were very clear. There wasn't a ton of um, issues surrounding that. that. That being said, it was still interesting. I don't want that to come across as, as though it was boring. Yeah. So my overall thoughts, I thought this was quite a great episode. And I think it's it juxtaposes with the last episode quite well in the way that they interacted with the culture. I think they interacted with it in a much more meaningful way than last time. For example, I'm thinking of the scene where, where when they're in the train and Drew is playing cards with the kids. I think they're embracing more of the cultural differences rather than rejecting them or seeing them negatively. Um, Even I think it's Rob that says it's such a, how does he say it? He says it's just such a great way to travel in the sense that you're not you know, put up in a resort or put up yes. in a hotel. That's kind of your world. You're forced to be in and around, you know, the everyday happenings. And it gives you a much better and more realistic sense of another culture. Yeah, and I think that really encapsulates what the the Amazing Race is really about, which is showcasing the world and exposing uh, Western audiences to, to cultures that they may not be more familiar with or would be unheard of. Yeah, like, for example, I didn't know that that rats were sacred by some people in India. Yeah, that was quite interesting. <laughs> I feel like that's kind of the climax of the episode. So I feel yeah. like we should we should save that for the end, because I, I know we both have quite a bit to say about that. Yeah, yeah. And then also just I had some some notes here about negative aspects. Yeah, I think it was more positive than last episode. I think overall, it still wasn't great overall with the ethics of filming people and it's not it's not filmed and edited in a way to make india look like a great place i think the intention is to make it seem like a third world like struggling country um in a lot of ways but yeah it's it's not really an advertisement for tourism in india i don't think anyone's hopping on expedia.com here and booking a flight to india after this this episode I think it goes back to last week. What we talked about is it's not through it's not through the tourist lens. The camera is not the tourist. The camera is um, a viewer, which could sp- I think it, it does. It speaks to whoever is holding the camera, and this is how they're perceiving it. You know, and for perhaps the cameraman who is going to many of these countries for the first time, this is what you see through the lens is what they are perceiving. So, shall we get into the start of the episode? I think we should. Okay, so I want to bring this up because at the beginning of the episode, Phil says, instead of saying who will be eliminated, he says who will come in last place tonight. Now, I don't know if you want to say something about this because this relates to something you you said earlier where you famously proved yourself wrong. <laughs> yeah, I will be honest. I didn't pick up on that. I don't know. Maybe I intentionally blocked it out. Okay. Um, I will say a note on the elimination rounds in this season is they are very, very, they fall mundane. flat. Yeah. Yeah, they're very mundane. There's no shock value, no excitement. It's just kind of, okay, whatever, let's go. That's all I really have to say on that. I mean, if that gives it away for anyone, this is a non-elimination round. But they didn't know how to present the non-elimination rounds in this no. season as something 
very valuable because I mean in later seasons when a team gets told that oh you're you've been saved from elimination they're jumping around they're hugging each other they're screaming like it's a big deal here's just kind of oh okay yeah another another thing with the non-elimination is well do we want to talk about this when we actually get to it or yeah let's maybe leave it to the end okay okay yeah, yeah. Okay. so they depart from where they started which is correct me if i'm wrong the taj kima hotel yes just outside the taj mahal here and it starts with uh frank and margarita who we find out actually had an 11 hour lead on all the other teams because of using the fast forward i was absolutely gobsmacked by that 11 hours and even further, they started this leg before Nancy and Emily actually finished the previous leg. They started this leg at 8.01 p.m. and Nancy and Emily finished the previous one at 8.16 p.m. So they were in t- an entire leg ahead. Yeah. And then, it, but it is kind of unfortunate, however, though, because for the other teams that come in, they all finish, yeah, 11 hours behind. But yeah. task one that they open tells them to go to the Taj Mahal, which I forget what the closing hours are, but opens at 6 a.m. So Frank and Margarita, despite being so far ahead of everyone else with this 11-hour lead, I think they kind of, and I mean, they take it in very good spirits. They're just kind of whatever about it. But they only end up having about a 50-minute lead on Bill and Joe in the end. Which is still a considerable lead, but it's not 11 hours. No, I I mean, 11 hours... I think you could have it had the first task been something they could have done instantaneously and it would have been maybe midday. I think it would have been safe to say there and then that they would have won the race. Well, yeah, if there were no none of these bunching up points with the hours of operation, but yeah. I think they would have had to expect something like this because this happens pretty much every leg of the race where teams get bunched up because of the hours of operation of a monument or an attraction or whatever they're doing. And I think that's intentional. I think, you know, you can't not have that because otherwise you just get these massive gaps between teams and it doesn't work as well you know it becomes too predictable whereas here they're forced to start from the same level again yeah and we also kind of see this on a little bit of a smaller scale with the train near the end where there's one group who takes one train and then the next group takes the next train which is six hours apart so the people in the first group virtually have no chance of being the last ones there. And then it just, it kind of splits the race into two. So it's like two separate races, the race for first place and then the race to not be eliminated. Yeah. So yes, Frank and Margarita are the first ones to depart. And we get an update on their relationship here and they, they seem to be doing great. I think they've, they've had the most growth of any team. Like Margarita says that. Um, how she can fo- focus on the race now instead of focusing on their relationship. And they just seem to be having more fun overall and their likability rating in my books have gone up a lot. I think that that's what you, at the end of the day with the race, that's what you have to remember is it's it's fun and you're never going to do this again. Probably not. And sorry, on that note, has, has there ever been an Amazing Race All-Stars? I don't know. Although that would be interesting. We'll table that for later. <laughs> <laughs> we'll table that for later. But um, yeah, with Frank and Margarita, I think they're really picking up on that. Just have fun. Just enjoy it. You will probably never, ever do something like this ever again. And just enjoy it as much as you can. And even, you know, they had this 11 hour lead. And in the end, because of the hours of operation, gives them a 50 minute lead. And they're so chill with it. They're just, OK, let's let's do it. That's fine. Which I think speaks to, yeah, character growth, but also just 
attitude change towards enjoying the race. And I mean, you're going to the Taj Mahal, like. Yeah. And I mean, that was their goal. If, if I think back to episode one, they said that the goal of them doing this race was to fix the relationship for their daughter. And it seems at this point that they've achieved that. They seem to be doing really great in the way they've been interacting and working together. And I, I honestly wouldn't mind them winning at this point. I can see their arc going that way. I, they're they're going to be in the final the final leg or if, yeah the final leg and I think guaranteed. Yeah, I think that they're a very a very strong team, and now that they've figured out their relationship, I don't think there's much that can really stop them. But we do have a few more legs to go, so anything can happen with that. Yes. So anyway, they just get a, a hotel room for the night to wait until the Taj Mahal is going to yes. open. And then while they're at the gates at 6 a.m. for them to open, Bill and Joe depart at like 6.50 or something. Yeah, 6.48. Yes. And Rob and Brett, what, about 15 minutes behind them? Um, So it's actually Team Guido was 6.48, Rob and Brendan 6.54. So only six minutes behind. Oh. Drew about an hour behind at 7.44. And then Nancy and Emily about half an hour behind them at 8.15 a.m. Okay. So why I'm bringing that up here is, well... Frank and Margarita are looking, by the way, the task at the Taj Mahal is to walk around and there's a, a the Amazing Race flag with a box with a clue in it. Um, so they're off to do that. Yeah. Bill and Joe get in their taxi and they're having car trouble. So while they should have been off and gone, they're still having car trouble. And Rob and Brendan actually get in their car first and leave the Taj Kima Hotel before Bill and Joe have figured out the car trouble. Yes. And yeah, they they go all Karen and ask for the manager there. I thought that was amusing. <laughs> <laughs> and during this, when everybody's kind of starting the leg, Rob, I, th- I thought this was interesting. He says, yeah, I, I don't think we're going to make the final leg. I, I can't I don't see us there. He doesn't say it in a pitiful way or a very discouraged way. Very, very lawyer like very factual. Um, <laughs> but it's an interesting attitude. Yeah, I was like, whoa, that's weird. Usually you see people being much more positive than that. But again, they are one of the teams I think could easily get to the final leg. So I was surprised by that. Yeah, absolutely. Honestly, I think we said this last episode, the only team that I would be surprised if they didn't make the final leg would be Nancy and Emily. Yeah. So yeah, do you want to talk about the Taj Mahal task? It's a pretty standard task. Yeah, like you said, you just have to find a box. Yeah, Um, something I will add to here. When teams are all opening their first clues, the first info packages, there's no money in any of the... We had mentioned this before, how we didn't really see the relevance of why they were being given cash at the start of every episode. But in this episode, it's highlighted very prominently. Every team opens the envelope and they're all asking, where's the money? Is there any money in there? And there isn't. So here, I think you really start to see and you hear just from all the teams when you know they're paying to get into uh, the Taj Mahal, which I looked up the conversion. I think it According to what they were saying on here, I don't know what this is now. This was 2001. It was maybe about $30 Canadian at current times. That's not accounting for inflation. But they're they're paying a lot of money to get in. They're paying, you know, to get transported. So I think finally, finally, we're seeing the importance and relevance of spending their money wisely when choosing transport options and such. Yes. Yeah, I was living for this because we've been asking for money to play a role. And it was so nice to have more. I don't know if it was nice, but I was happy to see it finally have an impact where Joe and Bill literally could not afford the taxi. So they had to to take the bus instead. And then at that ended up putting them behind. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So they, they have to pay a considerable amount of money to get into the Taj Mahal. And then Team Guido find the clue by trusting their vibrations here. Literally holding their hands out and, <laughs> yeah. and feeling the air and the aura around them. It worked for them. They, they felt something. It did. 
<laughs> it did. I don't think. And on that note, nobody struggled immensely to find the box with the clues hidden on the grounds of the Taj Mahal. Which, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think in the narration, Phil said is something like 42 acres. I think it was around that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Everyone seems to find the clue. I'd say within half an hour. Yeah. Which isn't too bad. But something else I want to bring up here is the last two teams there are Kevin and Drew, and Nancy and Emily. Now Kevin and Drew find the clue first, and they don't ever talk to Nancy and Emily, but I forget who, whoever, whichever one of them has the clue, yeah. shoves it kind of in like his back, not even in his back pocket, like down the backside of his shorts to yeah. like hide the clue. And it causes this whole dilemma after because they're trying to get into the taxi and they can't find the route information. They're getting mad at each other because they think that he's lost the route info and stuff. Yeah. And it's, it was quite comedic. And it, I don't know if he forgot that that's where he put it or if he genuinely lost it. I couldn't tell, but I thought it was funny. I think he did forget that he put it put it in there. I know. It was quite funny. And I thought, wow, this is... Because this would have been the first case of somebody losing their clue, I think. Yeah. Which has been proven to be detrimental to teams in future seasons. But that's that was not the case here. Just forgot that he put it <laughs> yeah, in the backside it was... of his shorts. But anyway, I mean, pretty instantaneously after they pretend... They haven't found the clue. Nancy and Emily find their clue and everybody's off. And everybody is off after the Taj Mahal um, to the Palace of the Winds, which is in Jai- Jaipur, Jaipur, which Jaipur. I, yeah, I have to say yeah. it looks really cool. And it's about 150 miles away and takes about six hours, I think, either Nancy or Emily said. Yeah, I mean, the the architecture of the building, like on that note, it's just absolutely gorgeous. It's I I don't even have a vocabulary to describe it, but it was. Is one of those things too where I think this, you know, seeing the Taj Mahal, seeing that it's there was someone who said that they've been able to, in this leg of the race to just enjoy where they've gone a lot more. And I think this episode, even you know, looking at the detour later was particularly good for that. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, the architecture, it was very unique. Like I've never seen the building like that. I thought it, I thought it was really cool. And I think on the most recent season of the Amazing Race, Amazing Race season 35, um, I think they went here actually. I haven't watched the episode, but I, I was looking on the Instagram and I actually opened my Instagram and that was the first post was a picture of the Palace of the Wind. So I was like, whoa. And it was right after I watched the episode. So <laughs> yeah, they visited again. So how do they, I forget, how do they get to Jaipur from Agra? So the, yeah, this is where they can, they can travel via taxi or bus. And in typical fashion, one is faster, but more expensive and the other is cheaper, but slower. Yep. So I think... Who who takes the bus? Well, I know Bill, Joe, and Bill are forced to take the bus because they can't afford it. Frank and Margarita take the bus, but they're on an earlier bus. They get out of there much quicker, so doesn't put them at much of a disadvantage. Uh, Rob and Brennan, however, do take a taxi. I think. Yes, as well as Nancy and Emily, because there is this scene that cracks me up, which is it's such an irrelevant throwaway. Like it wasn't in- intended to be funny at all. But I found it funny. It was a scene where Nancy and Emily are sitting in the back of a taxi. They're both (laughs) wearing sunglasses. They're just staring straight ahead. And the camera just slowly moves away from them. (laughs) I don't know why. But I I found it funny. It's so ridiculous. And it reminded me of a gif of, do you know who Tiffany Pollard is? New York? Flavor of Love? No, but you mean a gif? Well, I say gif. Okay, well, that's a peanut butter brand. So this is a discussion for another time. Well, but anyway, it reminds me of a GIF or GIF, whatever, whatever floats your boat with that. It's like kind of crazy. So maybe I'll do a side by side on our Instagram, which you should follow at Amazing Race Rewind on Instagram. So you should definitely check out the post Andrew will make on Instagram. And this will make a lot more sense. 
Um, yeah. Andrew, your point? What do you mean my point? My point was that it was funny. It was it was comedic to me. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. There's it's really the most inconsequential scene. <laughs> we love to hear it. Um, so once they get to the Palace of the Winds in Jaipur, they go inside and they get their clue. And this is the detour, correct? It is the detour, yeah. And yeah. the detour options are boat or elephant. Now, I, I'm jumping the gun a little bit here, but I just have to, I know you probably bookmarked this quote, but I just thought it was so good. When Nancy and Emily get there, yeah. Nancy gives this whole speech about, you know what, like they've they've kind of been in the last few teams, the whole race, and she's just happy they're here and she just wants to enjoy it. And she said that her and Emily, like when they wanted to do this, the one thing she wanted to do was to ride an elephant so she says and i quote bye george i'm gonna ride that elephant yeah and the way she says she's like bye george i'm gonna ride that elephant (laughs) oh my god yeah so they're already in last place and they always wanted to ride an elephant so they they choose you know what we're just gonna ride the elephant that and that to me is the true amazing race spirit see my first reaction to this was that they're giving up and i i didn't like that they were just like we don't care anymore we're just gonna have fun but if I, when I thought about it a little bit more, I was like, honestly, if it's something that you really want to do, then just do it. And if you're burnt and I, out. That's what I mean. I think it's at this point, it's not about the competition. It's not about rushing through as quick as you can to beat other teams, which I guess is also known as the competition. Um, <laughs> it's just about enjoying the experiences that you're so fortunate to be going through and be given because so, so few people are going to ever do this. And I mean, we can watch it on TV, but it just it would never compare to being there and doing it. So I just think that's it's it was the right attitude at that point in the race. And if I was at that point in the race, of course, I'd still want to try and get back in. But you also just have to enjoy where you are and what you're doing. Yeah. Well, and I appreciate the honesty of them saying of them being like so clear about it, too, as just being like that. We've always wanted to do this. We know we're in last place. Might as well just do it. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so the detour tasks, boat and elephant, both <laughs> um, are so you either sit in a boat that is rowed to this gorgeous palace in the middle of a lake and you enter into the palace and meet a holy man there who will give you your clue or the elephant. You sit atop an elephant and are, I guess, not driven with the word. Someone guides the elephant up yeah. this kind of Hill. not stairway path up to a, another castle where there's another holy man who also has a clue. So you can choose between those options. Yeah. So my thought was any detour or task that involves animals, I'd want to avoid because like animals are so unpredictable. So I, w- I wouldn't want to work with animals because things could just go wrong if the animal doesn't want to cooperate and there's nothing you can do about it. See, I would also want I think I would want to do the elephant task because I feel like that's something it's just so rare. You would never yeah. have another opportunity for that. That being said, I would choose the boat task, though, because it's absolutely gorgeous. And they, they didn't even have to row themselves on the rowboats. I feel like they should have made no, them exactly. themselves. I think that could have been more interesting. I thought that's what it was. But I mean, yeah. I guess they're worried about boats capsizing and stuff. Teams not knowing how to row a boat. <laughs> I guess so. So there's a couple good quotes here where Kevin says, I bet those elephants smell like elephants. And then either what? Kevin... <laughs> either Kevin or Drew, when they're talking about like they because they have to pay for the boat. They go, you know, the Staten Island Ferry is cheaper than this boat ride. <laughs> this is like, yeah, we, okay, we got it. You guys are from New York. Um, How much is Staten Island Ferry? Cheaper than that boat ride. <laughs> oh, it's free. Oh, okay. Well, I, <laughs> so that completely, and maybe it wasn't free back in 2001 because I don't know. 
I feel that, like that it was actually that was a joke. We just we didn't get it. Yeah, I don't know. That moving on. So, moving on. Okay, so do you have anything else for the for the detour? That was all my notes. No, I have nothing else. It was it was just very um like I said, both places were absolutely scenic, absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And but and there was no real um challenge other than which was gonna be quicker. So the teams nobody struggled. Yeah. It's kind of similar to the one last week where you get to do like a cooler experience that takes a little bit longer with the plane and the elephant this week, or you get to do something a little bit more mundane and then it'll it'll be a quicker. Although- you say cooler for the planes. I call that terrifying, but whatever. Oh. <laughs> okay, to each their own. Yes. And this is where there was the six hour intervals between the two trains that the teams can take to their next location, correct? Yeah. So they, after the detour, they have to take a train to Deshnok to visit a temple that is devoted to the worship of rats. So the train, it takes 200 miles. No, it doesn't take 200 miles. It is, it's 200 miles away to get to Deshnok, which is so far. What is with them having to travel so far in, in these early seasons within the leg? Because I feel like in modern seasons, the leg is more focused on like one specific area and then they just do tasks like relating to that. You know, it's more contained. I think that goes back to the points we were making in the first couple episodes, though, about how this was so still so travel based, whereas now it's more based on the tasks. So it'll have you focused around one town the entire time. Right. And getting the most out of that town and the culture and more difficult intellectual tasks or physical tasks rather than do a simple task here. Okay, 200 miles, do a simple task here, another 300 miles, something like that. Yeah. So on the way, I just have a little thing here where on the way to the train station, Drew tells the driver to take them to the railway station choo-choo train, which I don't think saying choo-choo train is helpful and and frankly seems a little bit disrespectful. (laughs) Yeah. Somehow I don't think choo-choo train translates anywhere. (laughs) No. So the teams on the first train are Frank and Margarita, Joe and Bill. No, Frank and Margarita, Robin Brennan, and then Kevin and Drew make it on the first train. And um, Joe and Bill are actually bu- are like trying to buy tickets as the first yes. train is leaving. So they just miss it. And, but they have to wait the another six hours. And the two of them and Nancy and Emily are on the train six hours later. Yes. And this is where we get the issue with nancy and emily and their train tickets where the people working at the train station would not sell tickets to women and it ended up taking nancy and emily an hour and a half to get their tickets which to me is it's a huge flaw on the part of production to overlook something like this because what if their train was leaving within that first hour within that hour and a half where they were getting the tickets and then they like lost the race because of that That's something I don't know how it was accounted for in the sense of was it just that the manager or the staff working that day wouldn't sell tickets to women or is it a policy in that station or not policy, but I don't even know what the word I'm looking for is there. Essentially, is it something that production crews could have overlooked by going and talking to the staff there prior? Yes, they could have figured it out if it was a a policy or something that was routine at the station. However, if it was just the people working there that day that chose not to sell tickets to women, then that's something that unfortunately production couldn't have accounted for, but definitely they probably learned a lesson from this episode. They would have, in the seasons coming, been much more careful about that. Yeah, because when you plan something as elaborate as The Amazing Race for the first time without having the knowledge of like how it's going to go, you there are going to be things that you overlook or things that you just don't think of, you don't account for, because there's so many moving parts and so many factors that you you would never be aware of until you actually physically run the race. So this is something that they would have the benefit of knowing in future seasons. 
Yeah. But just what you were saying before, I think they did mention that there were only men at the train, um, the tickets, the ticket selling center. What is that called? <laughs> there were only men at the ticket, the ticket selling booth. But at the ticket booth. So I think that is the status quo just for men to buy train tickets at that time. Again, though, it's something that the production crews would have very quickly realized, okay, this cannot happen in the future. We need to do much more thorough research and, and investigations yeah. on where we're sending teams to to do tasks or to, you know, buy means of transportations. And I, I haven't heard of an incident like this again in future seasons. So they probably were pretty thorough about it afterwards. But we'll see as we keep going with season two, three, four, five. But this, in, in the case, I would be fine with because I feel like production would have to step in. And if one of the cameramen could buy tickets for them instead, I feel like they would have to do that. I feel like that would have probably been a policy after at that point. You know, yeah. if it's a team of two women and something for some reason is being refused to them, if your camera person or your sound person is able to get it for you, then I feel like that would be the best course of action. Because I feel like another yeah. team, although they want to help you. And I, I feel like that'd be pretty awful if they just use that to their advantage to, you know, leverage yeah, an advantage be, yeah. of a team, another team of two women. That would be pretty awful, but it'd be easier if it was just your camera guy or your sound guy. Yeah, I don't think anybody would have a problem with that if that was the case. I feel like that's the one time where production interference is good. Yeah. But, yeah. So yeah, Nancy and Emily and Joe and Bill are on the second train. And yes, this is the effect of the lack of money because Joe and Bill didn't make it on the first train because they took the bus and because that took longer than taking a taxi. So for the first time, episode eight, we're finally seeing the relevance of money. Yeah. I will say earlier in the episode, Joe and Bill talk about how they've always been in the top like three or whatever. And they've, they've always been on top of the race and they've always done really well. And I think it, I mean, that was obviously put in there intentionally because it comes back around and yeah, they're, they're, they're fighting here. They're fighting for, for last place, or to not be last place, I suppose. But I mean, yeah, there's a six-hour interval between the three teams ahead and, and them and Nancy and Emily, so puts you in a different position. Yes, exactly. So on the train ride of the first train, Frank was talking to a local a local boy about the place they were going with the rat sanctuary or whatever. It wasn't a sanctuary, but you know what I mean. Uh, the temple. I the temple, say. yeah. And they, he was telling the other contestants about it, and this stress drew out a lot and he was telling a story about when he was working in south bronx and gets out of his car and stepped on the tire and rats came out everywhere would you like my accent there <sighs> when i did a kevin and drew accent earlier my mom listened to the episode and all she texted me was never do that accent again <laughs> but you know what i did like, with a I... period like never do that accent again you do better than me, though. So, you know, okay, thank you, because I actually practiced this. Because I was practicing saying it, and it's like, why did... It's, I sounded Midwestern when I was doing it. Like, Wisconsin, like that. I was saying like that. But I actually... We are Midwestern. But no, it's it's different. Like, you know, like the Minnesota, you know, that kind of... Minnesota. I, yeah. Um. Anyway, but I actually wrote it out phonetically, like the way he says it. Like, I, <laughs> I wrote it I wrote Let's it hear it again. Bronx, in the South Bronx. I wrote it out as B-R-A-A-N-G-X. <laughs> Do the whole thing again. Okay. <laughs> Working in, in South Bronx and gets off at his core, stepped on a tire, and rats came out everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I Sorry. spelled car, C-A-U-W-W, core. Core. And then tire, T-I-Y-A-H, tire. Anyway, so Frank is, he's freaking them out, and he's even telling stories, which I guess are coming from... Yeah, the local he spoke to 
but they don't end up being true. But he's saying that there's so many rats in this temple that you can't even like pick up your feet. So you just have to kind of slide them through this floor covered in rats. And he's freaking everybody out completely. Which was not the case, by the way. There were a lot of rats, but it wasn't to that extent. No, there was just a lot of rats. The The floor was very open. Yeah, and Margarita says that the rats that Drew encountered were sacred or like religious rats like these ones. And then Drew says, he says, quote, it doesn't matter. A rat is a rat is a rat. And then also, as I mentioned before, there's the great scene of Drew playing cards with local children on the train. It was very, very wholesome to see him interacting with the locals like this. I think, too, that's something that I, I think we've talked about this before. But less and less they've included in The Amazing Race is seeing what these teams do on these six, seven, or even three-hour means of transportation they have to take. Yeah, because the amount of time that they probably spend at the airport and on planes and on trains is probably like an insane amount of time. Yeah. So they get to, what is it? Where is the temple again? It is in, it's Deshnok. I don't know if the temple is in Deshnok, but the the train is to Deshnok. And then they have to travel from there to the temple. Yes, and so at the temple, the the task is a roadblock, and let's describe the roadblock and then talk about who would do it between the two of us. <laughs> so first of all, the prompt is, the person who performs this task may want to put on some extra socks. Well, obviously, they have they already know what the task is, that it involves walking into a temple with rats. And that's literally the task, is you must enter the temple, and the clue is just somewhere in there. Yeah, so how are you with rats? Honestly, I feel like I'd be able to do this no problem. That's not to say I'm not concerned about how sanitary the floor would be if it was covered in rat poop. But, you know, torch the socks after, don't touch anything else, and and wash your feet. Okay, yeah. See, I don't I don't really like rats, but I think I would also be able to suck it up. Like, I think I would be fine. A rat is a rat is a rat. As a wise man once said, yes. And I feel like I'm pretty good at at hiding when when I'm uncomfortable or scared as well. So I feel like I could further intimidate the teams with how focused and amazing I'm doing at this task. <laughs> I think you and I, too, have a good... When our adrenaline kicks in, we can just power through. I mean, that's a characteristic of a fast food employee. We, we got it down. We can work under pressure. <laughs> yeah, are you equating walking through <laughs> rats to working? I guess I just did. I was going to say no, but okay. that's what I just did. Honestly, I think either of us could probably do this task pretty easily. Yeah. And this is an interesting cultural difference that gets brought up because Margarita talks about wanting to be respectful, although she is so freaked out by the rats because everyone else there is so comfortable and they're like excited to be with these rats that are sacred. She feels bad because every time a rat runs by, she just kind of jumps and runs back. Not yeah. runs, but just she she quite literally jumps. Right. But I, I don't think the locals were like offended by it because one of them actually helped her walk down into the area where the clue was, which was in like a, a, a feeding dish. Yeah. So this made me think, and I did a little bit of research and looking around about where does the fear of rats stem from? And it traces back to the 1300s with the plague, since rats were thought to spread it. Because like, why are, why are humans scared of rats? Sorry. Sorry. You're watching an episode in which, you know, there's a very deep, sacred, cultural connection to these animals. And the only thing you want to research is, why are people scared of rats? Yeah. Not what is, you know, what is the spiritual connection? Oh, well, I did, the... I did also, I did also research that as well. Oh, okay. But <laughs> it was like that. The only thing you searched was why are humans scared of rats? No, because I think this was cool from 
a psychologist's perspective because it shows that humans aren't inherently scared of rats and we're more conditioned to be afraid of rats because of what they're associated with, you know? Disease. Disease, yeah, exactly. Interesting. Yeah, what the the story is, is that the, the rats in this temple are believed to be reincarnations of the goddess, Karni Mata, who was thought to ha- have helped found um, Deshnok, which is the, the town they're in. And then the rats are believed to be the children of this goddess as well. So interesting. That is why they're sacred. And fun fact, if you were actually to accidentally kill one of these rats during your visit, uh, you would be required to replace the rat with one made of solid gold. Wow. I don't know where you would acquire a solid gold rat. <laughs> no, they, they gotta go down to the solid gold rat shop down the street. But anyway, every one of the first three, they finished at the same time. And they head to the pit stop, which is a hotel in B- Bickener. Bickener? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Kevin and Drew arrive here first. And they I think they're being positioned kind of as the underdogs here with their confessional because they're talking about how they want to let the others think that they're not contenders, but they know that they're a force to be reckoned with. And they've done very well. They have done really well. And one of them says, uh, quote, I think some contestants took us for some bungling crooks in a movie, like the gang that couldn't shoot straight. But what I thought of was this might be derogatory, but <laughs> or offensive. I thought of I thought they kind of reminded me of the the burglars from Home Alone <laughs> when they said that. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just the accent. I think you just hear that accent. You think Joe Pesci. I don't think they remind. They don't remind me of the burglars from Home Alone at all. Okay. Well, but I, I don't know much about the burglars. Do they have that Brooklyn accent? You know, do you know who Joe Pesci is? The actor? No. Goodfellas. There's like the tall burglar and the shorter one. He's the shorter one. Okay. Very, very strong, like New York accent. Yes. Well, and also- he's also in um, Lethal Weapon. Okay, sure. Yeah, I, I think that's why you, you think they're the burglars from Home Alone. If you go watch a clip and hear his accent. <laughs> well, and also the the burglars from Home Alone, they're like, there's like a tall one and a short one. And then Drew's like taller and Kevin's shorter. So I don't know. That's what I thought of. <laughs> okay. I think it's just that you're associating the accent. That, yeah, okay. That's likely. So Frank and Margarita are in second and Robin Brennan are in third. Not much else to report on there, I don't think. But Nancy and Emily and Team Guido... Uh, don't arrive until the next morning. They take a night train and they show up to the roadblock after the other teams have already checked into the to the pit stop. There's a significant divide coming out here. So, yeah, it's really just a, a two-team race, like we said before. It's, it's a completely separate race. Uh, Guidos and Nancy and Emily, they arrive and finish the roadblock at pretty much the same time. So then it's just a race to the pit stop, which seems to be a, a, a very close finish, actually. It does, yeah. Joe and Bill are running. Yeah, yeah, Joe and Bill are in fourth, and Nancy and Emily in fifth. And when we see Nancy and Emily pull up to the pit stop, we see Joe and Bill in the back. So they couldn't have been there that much before Nancy and Emily. And we learn. And yeah, that's. Oh, sorry. Yeah, we... yeah there is a little twist at the end. <laughs> a little twist. That's really. It's so nonchalant because nowadays they try and fake people out with an elimination and be like, "You are unfortunately the last team to arrive." Usually, um, in the Canadian version, at least John will be like, "Guys." what happened out there, you know, and let the team talk for a little bit and they'll just kind of be really discouraged and they'll say something like, honestly, you know, yeah, everything was going good, but then this happened. But it's like, but I'm still really proud of, you know, my teammate, yeah. we did really well. And that's when John will psych him out and be like, well, guys, you don't have to worry. This is a non-elimination round. And then they start freaking out. Yeah. And here it's just, they pull up and Phil just goes, yeah, you are the last team to arrive, but it's a non-elimination. So you're fine. And they're just like, okay, and they're like, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. That's fine. 
they didn't really understand how to build that drama yet. No, they didn't understand how much of an asset the non-elimination could be, like, entertainment-wise. I know, which is surprising. Because, yeah, you, you would think, unless, no, right? I don't think they would tell the teams beforehand, okay, they're going to be a non-elimination on leg 6, 8, and 10. I don't think they would. I don't think so. Yeah, But we get a good, a good confessional from Emily here post-pit stop where she's saying that she doesn't think her mom will be as ready to be as conniving as her, um, where Emily's ready to cut some throats here <laughs> in the coming legs. <laughs> and that this is this is what I like to see. I'm ready to see it. Let's go, girls. I, I When she was saying that, I thought of you instantly. I'm ready for the villain arc. Although, yeah, I can't, I can't imagine them lasting long, but we'll see. Potential villain arc. Yeah. So overall, thoughts on this episode? It was good. The episodes are definitely becoming very solid. They're finding their rhythm editing-wise, which is nice. You know, they're learning how to entertain a bit better. Yeah. Uh, but not not a ton more comments. I think we've really covered everything. How about you? Yeah, again, I really, I really liked this episode. I think they handled the cultural differences better than last episode, where it wasn't as uncomfortable. There was an uncomfortability. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I overall liked it. Yeah, we have five teams left. Although... It seems like we've been spending a lot of time with the same teams, with these non-eliminations, you know, so late into the race, because usually the non-eliminations happen in the season where we get to spend time with more teams. But here it's like we're really getting to know these these five teams. But that is also just kind of what happens. But yeah, because all these non-eliminations are tacked onto the back of the race, these teams have been around for a while and you're getting to know them much, much better. Yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping next season, season two, they spread them out a little bit more and have some earlier, but we'll see. So next week seems to be a very exciting leg. I don't know where we're going, but there's a a tiger involved. Yeah, this could be could be interesting. And yeah, the the Guidos and Nancy and Emily seem to be fighting for the fast forward, which seems to me like whoever doesn't get the fast forward will will be eliminated because they are six hours behind you. This is going to be a fun fast forward. I was going to say with these six hours, this is finally capturing the essence of the fast we forward. We have stakes. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't help but notice that the next episode's title is The Unexpected Twist, which is very promising. What is the? Do you think the Guidos are going to be out? Now that would be an unexpected twist. I mean, I could see it, honestly. I feel like that would be because they've been setting them up to be like these front runners and they're villains, and I think it would be very satisfying for the audiences if they were to have a downfall here. Because you're not going to call an episode the unexpected twist and then have Nancy and Emily eliminated. That's expected. Yeah, that's true. We will find out, I guess. Unless the unexpected twist is a U-turn, but I don't. I feel like they hadn't come up with that yet. Yeah, U-turns, pro- I, I, we should check as to when those were introduced. Yeah, probably not later. And also the detours. I, the detours are more of just like go somewhere and get a clue. So they, they wouldn't be that debilitating for there to be a U-turn. Yeah. All right. Well, as we mentioned earlier, if you want to check out the Instagram page at Amazing Race Rewind or uh, send us an email at Amazing Race Rewind at gmail.com, feel free to do so. Yeah. As always, thank you guys so much for listening. We look forward to seeing you to, okay, I don't know. We look forward to seeing we, you next. Uh, thank you so much for listening. <laughs> we look forward to hearing from you and yep. we will see you next week. With episode nine, The Unexpected Twist. Bye. Yes. All right. Bye.